Hi, and welcome to the China Business Review Podcast, unpacking the complicated issues of the U.S.-China relationship. I'm Ian Hutchinson, and this week we're talking with China Hawes. China is a manager of business advisory services here at the U.S.-China Business Council, and among other things, she covers the intellectual property portfolio. IP has always been a major policy issue in China, especially for foreign businesses, so we wanted to chat with her to unpack some of the thorny issues around intellectual property in China. So USCBC's member survey has shown that intellectual property has has been among the top 10 concerns for our member companies for for over a decade at this point. So I'm hoping you can give us just a a quick overview of intellectual property infringement and, and rights in China. Yeah, so thanks, Ian. The counterfeiting, piracy, and IP infringement have been long-term problems for U.S. companies in China. Um, What I want to do today is kind of take a step back from the current discussion on IP infringement in China and kind of look at the development of China's IP system, which has really only been happening over the last 40 years, to hopefully provide some context for where China is and and some insight onto where China might be going in terms of IP protections. So I, I know you've sort of broken this down into three sort of phases to, to help us understand it today. So there's the first, the kind of pre-WTO phase, um, the sort of drive to establish a modern framework. And then after that, after the accession to the, the WTO, sort of rapid economic growth and, and IP protection not being necessarily a primary concern. And then the third phase that you've marked out here, sort of a closer alignment of internal wishes for IP and external pressures for IP regulation and enforcement in China. So so maybe you can go ahead and start with that first phase there, that sort of pre-WTO phase. Sure. So what I've kind of been looking at is um, the internal forces and external forces that are um, guiding China's development of a modern IP system. And I've yeah, as you've said, I've broken it into three kind of three phases. Um, the first is before China joined the WTO, the China's new leadership Um, was driven to um, open China's economy to the global international trading system, mainly to to begin developing again and um, start bringing China's population out of poverty. So the internal drive was really economic development. The external drive was there were uh, conditions for China to meet in order to join the multilateral um, trading system. And um, really beginning with 1979, the signing of the Agreement on Trade Relations with the United States, which called for reciprocal protection of patents, trademarks, and copyrights. That kind of launched China's um, enhanced engagement with the International IP um, Forum and um, China's participation in the international IP regime. In 1980, China joined um, the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, and then began implementing um, some changes to China's various IP regulations, including the patent law, the trademark law, uh, developed a copyright law for the first time. Um, so a lot of these these developments were kind of in a response to China's desire to join the WTO, which happened in um, 2001. And, and afterwards, China took on obligations under TRIPS, which is uh, the um, agreement on trade-related aspects of intellectual property rights. Okay, so, so after that accession to the WTO, you sort of marked out the, the second phase there. Um, go ahead and walk us through that, would you? Sure. So after the WTO, um, China, the China's leadership um, kind of buckled down and focused on rapid economic growth and bringing its population out of poverty. Enforcing intellectual property wasn't really a priority at this time, as 
um, as much as domestic growth and uh, stability. And so this period saw um, rapid economic growth driven by China's export-oriented economy um, that was reliant on low input and labor costs. And during this time, China became known as the factory of the world and kind of developed a reputation for producing low quality, low value add goods, um, as well as a lot of counterfeit and knockoffs. And some, just some examples of what China was doing um, during this time were a lot of knockoff branded apparel and, and accessories, a lot of which was actually produced in the same factories that made authentic goods, but without the permission to do so. Uh, there was also a lot of uh, fake consumer electronics that were, quote, reversed and engineered to look almost identical to authentic products, but um, not necessarily at the same quality or function. And then, of course, there was rampant piracy of content from films and books to software. And then the more recent development of China's online sales and content streaming platforms have only really compounded the issue of counterfeits and private piracy in China. And a 2016 report estimated that 86% of the world's counterfeit goods originate in greater China area, just to give an idea of how big this issue is. Hmm. So the, the point you just made there in your last segment there, talking about the development of online sales and, and content streaming platforms domestically in China, it, it seems that that's leading into the, the sort of third phase that you were talking about where internal demand in China for IP protections is sort of starting to align with what foreign companies might be interested in China? Yeah, that's exactly right. So as China continued to develop and grow into the global economic powerhouse that it is today is the world's second largest economy, um, China's private sector also really took off. And China began developing a lot of really innovative um, local domestic Chinese brands that also wanted stronger IP protections. Um, at the same time, in addition to the innovative brand, Chinese brands that wanted stronger IP protections, um, Chinese consumers were also uh, demanding stronger regulatory oversight from the government after a series of consumer health and safety scares due to counterfeit goods produced in China. A couple examples of those are the infant milk formula scandal, which actually which led to hundreds of thousands of babies falling ill due to counterfeit milk formula and several actually dying, as well as a, a more recent um, vaccine safety scandal um, that really kind of brought to light the need for um, stronger regulatory oversight and cracking down on counterfeit goods. Um, so really what's happened here are the three phases from China's um, economic development and development of a modern IP system. And right now, it, they've kind of brought the internal and external forces in alignment. China's government is really focused on moving away from the made in China um, nomer to being created in China. And it also has always been very focused on protecting the health and safety of consumers. Um, so the internal and external forces for stronger IP enforcement and regulations are in the line right now. And I think China is moving in the right direction on some of these regulations. Um, but as with anything in China, implementation will be key. China Business Review podcast is a production of the U.S.-China Business Council, and you can learn more on our website, uschina.org. Our music is by Ryan Anderson, and you can find this podcast on our website, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you like the show, be sure to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.